like rugged communicates a lot right it, <laughs> it, commu it communicates a so lot useful of in the word. 2020s yeah. uh -huh. so, many, so many so many institutions are trying to rug us <laughs> like right now hey bankless nation happy third week of december is friday morning you know what time it is david tell them Oh, it's a Friday Bankless Weekly roll-up time. We're, we roll up the whole entire week in crypto. And I know I say this every single time that it's such a crazy week. There's a lot of stuff in this week. A lot of stuff got released. A lot of cool news happened. Some cool takes happened. And we are going to go through all of it because that's what we do on the Friday Weekly roll-up. So grab your coffee. It's going to be exciting. We're going to have a fun time uh, as we start to wrap up this year in crypto. Guys, a few things that's going on. Nike is entering the metaverse space with the acquisition of a company. Also, Marvel and Disney issuing nfts on immutable that's a big story polygon just makes a big acquisition as well doubling tripling quadrupling down on their zk roll-up strategy and their roll-up strategy in general also ledger releasing a debit card there's so much we have to talk about but before we get in david man you're doing this on your birthday <laughs> and i admire that happy birthday to you sir oh. i'm uh i can't believe we're doing a roll-up on your birthday just you know the timing worked out that way mm -hmm. that shows the dedication that my co-host david hoffman has to the bankless community he's willing to do this on his birthday not only your birthday the birthday of beethoven mm -hmm. i am mm -hmm. told yes, as well. yes yeah we, me and beethoven share the birthdays and <laughs> it's just very very fortunate that my birthday landed on a thursday this week or this year because uh, I don't know, the, the, the weekly roll-ups are, I think, the most fun thing I do every single week. So there's no better way I think I could spend my birthday than doing a weekly roll-up with my business partner here. Dude, that's awesome. That mm -hmm. is touching. Wow. No wonder this is uh, the greatest podcast in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> the most dedicated host, mm -hmm. that's what. I'll, I'll, I'll do a podcast on my birthday, too. How about mm -hmm. we do that? Just, mm -hmm. you know, share, share it in cool. the burden. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Before we get into it, we got to talk about a few things that are going on. The first is the Permissionless Conference. It's coming down the pike. They just released another tranche of tickets. We'll include a link in the show notes. That is a conference that happens in May. It's going to be the biggest DeFi conference ever. Not of ever, 2022, ever. Mm -hmm. ever. The greatest DeFi conference ever assembled. So we're going to talk about the metaverse, DeFi, regulation, institutional stuff. You got to get a ticket. NFT galleries out the yin-yang. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be everything. Parties? Party. Every night's a party? Oh, every night's a party. No, every night's every a party. night, there's going to be at least three parties. Yeah. I, I'm mm -hmm. told. I'm, yes. you know. Some of them I will spend in the hotel room, but you know, some I'll be there for some of them. We're definitely throwing a bankless party as well. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we catch you there. Grab your ticket. They go up every two weeks in price. You want to get it early, just like crypto. You got to get earlier. You just FOMO in later. Mm -hmm. Also, let's talk about Hashflow. Hashflow. So Hashflow wanted to uh, tell bankless listeners about their service. It's really cool. So this is like a OTC desk for DeFi. David, what's an OTC desk for people who aren't familiar with that term? Yeah, OTC sounds for over the counter. So it's kind of like a, a white glove service. If you have a bunch of money and you are going to make a big trade, an OTC desk can help you optimize the price that you get. Uh, and so they, they search around. It's kind of like order routing, but it's manual because this, this is coming from the old world and still existing in crypto today. But now with Hashflow, we have a DeFi service that does OTC-like activities but now as a protocol, once again, software eating the world of finance through DeFi. This is really cool because it's trustless, it's non-custodial, it's bankless. The old OTC marketplaces were completely banked and this is built on DeFi. So low gas fees, MEV protection as well. So you can use Hashflow today for some of your OTC trades. Here's a bit of alpha for you. In the coming weeks, Hashflow is going to open 
uh, liquidity pools. So individuals can invest, can deposit funds in these liquidity pools and provide liquidity to the Hashflow OTC desk. Uh, that's some early alpha for you. If you want to get in on that, it's going to be yield on your various tokens. You can sign up for that for early access. There's a Google form we are including in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. I think that's going to be some alpha for you as well. Uh, speaking of alpha, David, let's turn to the markets. Is there any alpha to be had in the Bitcoin markets today, my friend? What are we at from a price perspective? Yeah, we started the week at $48,500 and then got up to the high, high price of $50,500. And then we had what, what I like to call a big oof candle. Uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> Which we, one is that? Uh, is it this one? Yeah, it's, it's the one yeah, that okay, goes all it. the way down to $46,500 uh, and really hung out real, real low for a while below the $50,000 mark. Uh, and then almost tried to reclaim it earlier this week, had a little bit of a resurgence yesterday, um, but overall still down 2% on the week. Um, a big oof to start the week with a small to modest recovery, but not yet fully recovered. So down on the week, 2%. Crab December, crab December. Yep. I don't know what Santa's bringing us. Maybe it's higher prices, but maybe it's mm -hmm. just more crabs. What's ETH doing? ETH starting the week at $42,000 hit a, and that was its high. Uh, it's oof candle brought it all the way down to $3,700. Dipped a little bit before that, but, but then recovered. And then also had a fantastic resurgence. <laughs> above $4,000. So reclaiming the $4,000 level, reclaiming that meme line, um, but still overall down 8% on the week. So uh, oof, oof. Oof indeed. But oof. this is still like, look at this face, man. This mm. is my, I'm not worried at all yep. face. Mm -hmm. Like I this feel is, like this is totally been worse. healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's just, mm -hmm. this is fine. Like mm -hmm. uh, zoom out a little bit. Actually, why don't we do that? Zoom out to the year. Wow, How we that doing? looks like nothing. <laughs> <That> looks <laughs> looks totally like we're doing fine. okay. This mm. time uh, last year, actually, Let's do the, the full one year. This time last year, mm -hmm. we're hanging out in the 600 range for Ether, 638. So uh, pretty good year, all things considered, as we reflect and we close things down. Uh, let's talk about the ratio. How was the year for the ratio? Look at that on a one-year time scale. Also a big victory for the ratio. Uh, and the ratio during the big oof week, which was, again, this week, started the week at uh, 0.086, which was really pretty pretty damn high. Uh, all the ETH people were really, really stoked. It fell down almost below 0 0.08 and did not break below 0 0.08 and now has reclaimed 0 0.084. So my mind is like it's, it's down on the week. But on a oof week, it's doing pretty good. Uh, and so uh, held, held, holding the 0 0.08, again, that meme line, really, really important. And overall, really, again, signs of strength, signs of strength. Doesn't usually do that on mm -hmm. weeks like this, for sure. So that recovery has been important to see and still um, indicates a lot of strength in the ratio. Mm -hmm. How about the bankless bed index? So mm -hmm. that is a third Bitcoin, a third DeFi, and a third um, Ether. What's, uh, what's that looking like on the week, David? Yeah, started the week at $143, bottomed at $123, and currently is at $142, so down like 1% to 2% on the week. So flat week. Flat week. It's, always, it's always a little flatter, a little mm. less volatile in the bankless bed index, yeah. and that is the purpose of the index. Um, a good asset to hold in your portfolio, I think. Uh, you know what's not a good asset to hold in your portfolio, David? Oh, I have a guess, Ryan. Tell me. It's dollars, okay? <laughs> 7%, 6.8% annualized inflation. This is not 
uh, asset price inflation, which we talk about all of the time. This is the inflation that everybody actually, everybody else actually sees. And this is CPI inflation, the mm. price of energy, the price of rent, food. the price of food at yes. the grocery stores, up 7% mm -hmm. year over year on all of these things. If you look at the composite, uh, that's not good, man. That's not People, good. Right, wages are increasing by you know two, three percent max. If you didn't get a seven percent raise in the last twelve months, you got a pay cut. You got a four percent yeah. loss, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All your dollars went down. Mm -hmm. uh, the only way to escape that is, of course, by holding assets. This is um, something we're going to get into a little bit in the macro side. But let's first read this take from our friend uh, Jim Jim Bianco. It's basically. Uh, the country knows, this is the U.S., inflation is hurting them and they're not happy about it. There was a CNBC poll yesterday that was bad for Biden. Why? Because inflation is now the number one concern. No longer coronavirus, not COVID wow. anymore. Wow. Inflation is the number one concern. And so Jim goes on to say, what does the Fed do in response to this? And there was a Fed meeting earlier in the week that we're going to touch on briefly. But he said, the Fed's choices are both bad. Okay? You either respond to inflation and hike interest rates aggressively. Increase interest rates, of course, that is one lever the Fed can pull. Uh, flattening yield curve says this is what the Fed will do, uh, and they did end up doing that, or they indicated that they were going to do that. Or you don't respond to inflation at all, and you destroy your reputation of the Democratic Party. Not good in a midterm election year. That's not an option either. Being, in, so, being in the party in power right now feels like the hot potato, right? Like, because yeah. the Republicans are totally going to blame the Democrats for all this inflation. And it would have totally happened in reverse if it was the other way <laughs> yes, as well. Totally. It's like, and it was going to, it, it was going to happen no it matter what. It was going to happen no matter what. It was bound to happen. No, yeah. what, no matter who's in charge. And, and so some quick uh, numbers that I got from a friend. So definitely double check this, these numbers. Uh, but, uh, he, this is talking about how the Fed is trapped. Uh, and so just doing the napkin math on our $30 trillion of debt at 5% interest rates, if we were to hike rates up to 5%, that is $1.5 in interest payments per year, which is about half the annual budget for the U.S., already running at a $1 trillion deficit per year. So when people say the Fed is trapped, oh yeah, the Fed is trapped. They can't raise interest rates because there's too much debt. Oopsies. I, That's also what's, what we call a big oof. Yeah, and you know, you know what? So like, I, I feel what's happened is a chain of events has been set in motion that is now like inevitable. It's just going to play out. It doesn't matter who the central banker is, whether it's Jerome Powell or someone else. It doesn't matter whether it's President Biden or, or someone else. They're all kind of actors. They, they no longer have control. Right. That's what I feel like. It's kind of like we're in the Jesus take the wheel economy. You know, it's like we don't even know where this, like this we didn't even know where this is going. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I, I really feel like no one is actually in control. And so the Fed is in a position where they're just kind of responding. And what they did do this week, interestingly enough, is they indicated this is like, you know, you got to read the tea leaves and everything mm -hmm. Jerome Powell says. But they indicated that they were going to raise the rates three times yeah. in over the next year in 2022. And of course, that can change. But what was interesting to me, David, is like the market's reaction to this was like, oh, cool. That's not so bad. And then like stock prices resumed their incline, all time highs yet again. Like right. that, this is the territory. moment where, where Bitcoin and Ether actually like bounced off that floor a little bit. Exactly. That's, that was that moment. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it was like an oof in the anticipation of uh, Jerome Powell's speech. Right. And then after it's, oh, it's not so bad. Right. Uh, even though they're raising rates right. was, was kind but of Does the, the market believe them is the question? I think TBD on that. 
does the market believe them? Will they actually, yes, will they actually raise rates or was this less bad than they thought? It's Mm -hmm. really interesting to me, David, that um, the European Union banks, they said, we're keeping our interest rates at 0%. Right. Go Fed, the Fed can do what it wants. So this is, um, you know, definitely not following, this is not like global, they're not following what happens there. Uh, David, let's also talk about this. This is a cool Speaking chart. of inflation in different contexts. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Moneyprinter.info. This is not what you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd think this was a, like a Jerome Powell money printer go burr meme, but what is this actually? Yeah, so this is talking about the network issuance of currencies for crypto economic networks and also as an uh, inflation percentage, right? Uh, so what we are looking at are the different issuance rates of all the different crypto economic networks and then the dollar value of that issuance. So clocking in at 14.19% inflation is Ethereum, which is issuing $54 million per day. Uh, next up is Bitcoin at 1.79% inflation, clocking in at $45 bil- uh, million per day followed up by Solana at 8.25 or excuse me 7.25% issuance issuance rate at 18 18- $0.5 million per day. You can check these numbers out for yourself. They change on a daily basis at moneyprinter.info. And overall, it's just a nice way to see like how much is the actual monetary unit of each chain inflating on a yearly basis. And with that inflation, how much actual daily issuance, which is economic security, does that chain actually achieve from that issuance? So some nice metrics here. Yeah. So I think one of the takeaways of this that is really nice is if you start comparing this with a uh, another... I guess, chart that uh, David Mihal put together in CryptoFees.info. So interesting thing about what you said is if you think of a daily issuance, that's a, and you th- let, let's think of these uh, blockchains as a, as a business, for example, for a company, for example. Daily issuance is essentially their cost. That's how much money they pay for, as you said, David, economic security. So every single day right now, as denominated in ETH, of course, but translate that to dollars, Ethereum pays $53 million or so, $54 million in economic security. Bitcoin pays $45 million in economic security. Solana pays $18 million in economic security. Polkadot pays $7 million in economic security. That's like a cost to the business. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is if you start to contrast that with the revenue that they bring in. Remember, what business are these blockchains in? Well, blockchains, they sell blocks. Blockchains That's their product. sell blocks. <laughs> That's, That's the thing what they do. That's what Apple they sells do. iPhones, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon sells everything. Blockchain sell blocks, okay? That's the thing that they're selling. Uh, so you can look at the revenue contrast. And Ether, its revenue, $36 million in blocks sold. That's one-day fees. That's how you measure it. It's how much fees did this blockchain pull in? $36 million. You look at Bitcoin, it's um, about 500K, $500,000 in blockchain sales. If you look at something like Polkadot, um, Oh God, keep going. Switching down. Keep going. There it is. There it is. $4,600. Oof. Okay. Not that's, a, a that's the third big oof of the roll-up, Ryan. <laughs> $4,600. Okay. So what does that mean? If you think about this as, as a business, all right? So we've got daily expense for Ether of $54 million. That's cost. And then you got daily revenue of $33 million. So it's operating at a bit of a loss, but if you think of it like this, for every $100 spent on blockchain security for uh, Ethereum, it's making $61 in revenue, okay? Spend 100, get 61 in sold product. Polkadot, $100 spent, less than one cent in revenue. Oof. 0.06. 
Big in oof. revenue. 0. 0.006, excuse me, less than a cent this? in revenue. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be oofing the entire podcast, aren't you? Uh, Bitcoin, $100 spent, $1 in revenue. And the reason I think these metrics are interesting is because I think this is a marker of maturity, hmm? of health, of sustainability, of yes. persistence during the bull run, of the durability and strength of these blockchain sales, how much people actually value their blocks. And so I really like these charts that, um, that were put together and I think uh, people should be looking at it. When we talk about fundamentals, these are some of the fundamentals that we consistently come back to. How much is your blockchain spending for its product, for its economic security? How much revenue is it actually bringing in? Any other thoughts on that, David? Yeah, you said this is a sign of, of uh, maturity, and I, I think that actually is a really great framing to put on this. Uh, I actually do think it's appropriate for some of these younger blockchains to be issuing much, uh, a lot more, because that's we also need distribution, right? Distribution is a very key component of uh, of uh, blockchain security, of how you get decentralization. Uh, it's issuing all the currencies into all the different people people of the world is nice, and issuance allows that to happen. Uh, in these very, very young phases of crypto economic networks, we need more issuance than we need capture because these things are so young. We need a lot of people to in enjoy the fruits of these systems. Uh, and so how these things are actually getting issued and where they're going is also really, really important. I think it's fine. I think it's very appropriate that Solana is actually issuing quite a lot right now because it's only like 18 months old, something, something like, like that. Uh, the other half of the story is where is that money going? Uh, and is that actually becoming distributed into the hands of the users, into as many different people as possible? That's what I would like to argue, and I think Bitcoiners would believe, uh, agree with me, is that proof of work is really, really useful for. Why well, I'm very happy that proof of work uh, actually is where Ethereum started for the first five years. Um, and that what concerns me about uh, Solana and these other delegated proof of stake chains is that the issuance is actually going into a very small set of individuals, which are the validators, which is why Ryan and I are concerned about centralized validation, because this uh, it's all, all these the new issuance of these networks are being captured by fewer and fewer individuals. Uh, where this is going really, really matters. Uh, there's also the, con the topic of the, the buyback, the EIP-1559. Uh, we've seen uh, like roughly a 70-30 EIP-1559 burn and a 30% tip rate going back to the validators. And so this is 70% of the, of the revenue for blockchain uh, Ethereum fees is getting uh, dist uh, distributed to ETH holders via the burn, right? That's what it does. And it's democratizing access to protocol income to not just people that are validating, but any and everyone that holds ETH, which is an open permissionless thing to do. And that allows this income to be democratized off, 70% uh, of the income to be democratized off to a broader set of individuals. And then 30% of that revenue gets added on to validator uh, compensation in order to uh, subsidize security, pay for security. So that's really just the full story here. And it does dovetail nicely with like the inflation conversation of the US dollar, uh, because the goals for it to be long-term sustainable, to have long-term equilibrium so that we can enjoy these things and then our children can also enjoy these things and also their children is that eventually all blockchains need to collect in fees more than what they issue or else we get unsustainable inflation over the long term. So these are things that we need to be thinking about today because these will be eventually systems that our children and our children's children inherit. Absolutely. And so I, I think not enough people are looking at charts like these. And so mm -hmm. if you're looking at fundamentals, we'd encourage you definitely to, uh, to check this out and, uh, and make your own decisions. You know, evaluate chains this way as well. 
Uh, David, let's talk about this. Sotheby's. They just Sotheby's. netted $100 million in NFT sales Picks in 2021. Shovels. Picks and Picks shovels. shovels. Yeah. Do you know what? More than three quarters of the NFT bidder, bidders were completely new to Th- Sotheby's as well. So it's like a new demographic. And over half of those were under 40. All wow. right. So wow. Sotheby's has got to be like just over the moon excited about the NFT market and its performance. How much of their growth was attributed to NFTs and this whole new demographic that probably wasn't going to art house auctions previously mm-hmm. is now showing up. I'm just reminded of the take that we had earlier this year where like a lot of the crypto people were skeptical about NFTs, but a lot of the rest of the world, they're just gonna be like, oh, we, we buy JPEGs now? Okay, sounds great. That, yeah. that seems to be the, how it played out. Totally. I think it is. Guys, we will be right back with the releases of the week and also the news. And you can't miss the memes and the takes and everything else we do on the weekly roll-up. But before we do, we want to thank the fantastic sponsors that made this episode possible. Matcha, everyone's favorite DEX aggregator, has just launched an open beta for gasless trading. So if you're trading more than $5,000 in common ETH and wrapped Bitcoin pairs, then your gas fees on Matcha are free. And that's why you should be using Matcha. Matcha routes your orders across all the various DeFi exchanges on Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, and gives you the best possible price without any trading fees or unnecessary slippage. Matcha has smart order routing that splits your orders across multiple liquidity sources if Matcha sees that that it gets you better pricing. Trading on Matcha is super easy because it pulls the liquidity for me into a single and easy to use platform and has even saved me multiple times from accidentally picking the wrong decks to trade on and getting a bad price. Matcha also allows you to make limit orders on chain so you can set and forget your DeFi trades and they will go through automatically while you're away. So when you're making a trade, head over to matcha.xyz slash bankless, connect your wallet, and start getting some of the best prices and most liquidity when you trade your crypto assets. Living a bankless life requires taking control over your own private keys, not your keys, not your crypto. That's why so many in the bankless nation already have their Ledger hardware wallet, which makes proper private key management a breeze. But the Ledger ecosystem is much more than just a secure hardware wallet. Ledger is the combination of the Ledger hardware wallet and the Ledger Live app. And if you're used to seeing all of your crypto services and favorite DeFi apps all in one spot, Ledger Live is where you want to be. Not only does Ledger let you buy your crypto assets straight from the app, but it also hooks into all of the DeFi apps and services that you're used to. Using Ledger Live, you can stake your ETH in Lido, swap on DEXs like Paraswap, or display your NFTs with Rainbow. You can also use Wallet Connect inside of Ledger Live to connect to all the other DeFi apps that keep coming online. DeFi never stops growing, and the Ledger Live app grows alongside with it. So click the link in the show notes to see all of the DeFi apps that Ledger Live has, and stay tuned as more apps come online. And if you don't have a Ledger hardware wallet, what are you even waiting for? Go to ledger.com, grab a Ledger, download Ledger Live, and get all of your DeFi apps all in one space. All right, guys, we are back with the releases of the week. Layer two, optimism, removing whitelists, opening floodgates to developers. What is happening? I think that's happening today, so it'll be live by the time people are listening to this. What is it? Yeah, this is optimism, removing the whitelist, allowing anyone to come build on the optimism layer two. So congratulations to optimism for getting this far. Optimism really differentiates itself via EVM equivalence, as in if you have something on the main chain, you can press a button and then have it work on optimism layer two. That's, that is the whole, the whole point of what optimism is trying to do. And overall, I think that it's really going to give it really strong tailwinds, just the ease of development. That's why we've seen so many... Um, 
uh, Geth forks, Ethereum client Geth forks uh, spin up and have a lot of outside success. Binance, Smart Chain, Avalanche uh, among them uh, because it's really easy to port your Ethereum thing from one EVM chain to another EVM chain. Optimism is making that even easier. Uh, it's, you don't get one-click deployment to like Binance, Smart Chain, or Avalanche. You do have to tinker with it a little bit, but still, it's not a complete rework. With Optimism, you can just, boom, deployed. Uh, so congratulations to Optimism. I expect a ton of activity to end up flooding there, uh, and I'm looking forward to see what happens in 2022 for Optimistic Ethereum. David, look, you're quoting this article. David oh, Hoffman nice. of Crypto Media Outlet Bankless described the removal of Optimism's whitelist as a one-way decision. This is one way, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't get Can't to come go back. back from this, too. Can't go back. Yep. That's what's so cool about this move as well. Look, next year is going to be the year of Layer 2s, 2022. We're calling it now. Mm. Big year for Optimism. Big year for all of the Layer 2s out there. Uh, we'll keep tracking what's going on there. Also, something to keep tracking, ETH Global. Mm. They just rolled out their 2022 season. It's six in real life in real life hackathons, 10 on online hackathons and 15 summits. What's ETH Global, David? What's uh, why, why are these events important? Yeah, ETH Global just uh, hosts all of these cool different Ethereum events all around the world because Ethereum is a global network. And so we, we need representation all across the world. Uh, and so there are so many different ways to, if you're a hacker, developer, or just enthusiast to take part in the Ethereum ecosystem. So check out the link in the show notes. Uh, there is, there's definitely something coming to a city or country near you. Uh, they're all in probably every single continent except for Antarctica. Uh, and uh, yeah, so there's there's options for you to go do in real life stuff. If you are not yet completely pilled about crypto, go to one of these events because by the time you leave, you absolutely will be. Absolutely. Uh no love for Antarctica, though, huh? <laughs> Not enough developers there. <laughs> okay. Balancer. Mm -hmm. They just launched boosted pools. What are boosted pools, David? Yeah, Balancer, uh, they did this like V1 of this concept earlier with Aave. So basically all of the liquidity that gets deposited into Balancer just waits for people to come and trade on it. And that's when it gets the, the fees. But like 80% of that liquidity in Balancer pools are actually kind of stagnant. It's really the remaining like 10 to 20% that really matters just to allow the, the trades to happen. So what Balancer is doing is they're allowing the stagnant uh, liquidity in their pools to be deposited. First, they did it into Aave. That happened a number of months ago. We did a show on, on that. So check that out if you want to get up to speed. But first, they would just like lend out the liquidity into Aave in their pool. So not only are they collecting trading fees from Balancer, but they are also collecting yield in Aave. They have now made this generalizable. So now liquidity in Balancer can now be put more in just Aave, but can be generally tapped into by any protocol. Uh, and so this is Balancer just really becoming... Uh, capitally efficient. And this is the theme of DeFi is capital efficiency, capital efficiency, capital efficiency. That's what Balancer is doing with their boosted yield pools. So both getting trading fees and yield in DeFi at the same time. Capital efficiency, super fluid collateral. Speaking of super fluid, there's actually a protocol nice. called super fluid. Nice. Great, great segue. And, yeah, I know. That just worked out that time. Okay. Uh, they're excited that they just announced on Optimism and Arbitrum, two layer twos, of course. Remind us what Superfluid is. If I'm recalling mm -hmm. correctly, it's this really neat you know, payment type protocol, mm -hmm. uh, to payroll to you know pay contractors. It's, uh, yeah, tell us about it, David. It's streaming payments. And so, streaming yeah, so payments. If, you, if you are an employee of somewhere and you are getting X dollars per year, well, you could actually break that down into X cents per second if you really wanted to. You could start... In getting your income the moment you clock in and have that verifiable on chain, uh, and that is what Superfluid is. It's like it's like these plumbing, these these the plumbing between different contracts, and it's just streaming payments on a per it's second. It's like 
Micro, microtransactions, microtransactions right? do you remember yeah. do you remember when andreas antonopoulos used to mm-hmm. talk about this in like the earlier days of bitcoin mm-hmm. being so excited yeah. about this use case right. well totally. like now it's here so it's actually even more granular than microtransactions it is literally fluid transactions there are no microtransactions implies like a bundle this is more like liquidity this is like more water flowing through a tube it's it's that's why they call it super fluid uh and so again per second per microsecond payments on l2 so like the use cases for this is infinite like like streaming we don't even know we don't even even know know. what all the use cases are right like Like streaming for bandwidth like maybe you're you're walking around some city and you need some internet and and you go buy some internet from someone someone and you just stream them pennies per second for a few stuff seconds. like this yeah really cool it automatically withdrawn from your mm. you know your eth address something like this yeah right. this is going to be a big primitive in the future i think mm. um speaking of primitives that are big okay nfts are big this is an nft project called forgotten rune runes wizards mm-hmm. these wizards that you can collect it's kind of a pfp type project now they have just rolled out an rpg game mm. so check this out this is a uh you know, a gra- graphic from the the game uh, looks, looks like you're yeah. you're playing your wizards. Looks like an know, Axie up against other wizards type, type of game. Just like you That's got little awesome. characters, you got to fight some people, you get some stuff. So look at this, an NFT project now spinning up a game. I wonder if this is the future for a ton of different NFT projects, mm-hmm. the direction they're going. You can almost see the beginnings of the metaverse this way, right? Definitely can. It starts with a boring JPEG, mm-hmm. and then it becomes digital property, and then it turns into a game, and then before you know it, it's immersive and virtual, and you become your NFT, and you're in the metaverse. This yep. is how we evolve. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Looking forward to playing. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about... Bitwise. This is cool. Okay, so Bitwise launching the Bitwise Blue Chip NFT Index Funds, the world's first NFT index fund. So if you are uh, perhaps a baby boomer and DeFi and NFT scares you, fear not, Bitwise has your back. Uh, So if you want to get into the cool, hip new NFTs that all the kids are getting with, you can get into the (laughs) Bitwise Blue Chip NFT Index Fund. Ryan, I've I've actually checked out what's in this index fund. It's it's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. Uh, Yeah, so- Not just for baby boomers. it's for anyone if you're trying if you don't want to custody your own keys mm-hmm. all right if you don't if you haven't been fully defi pilled yep. and you're like scared of a lot of things you just want an index of these things of a diversified if- blue chip nft portfolio yeah yeah in yeah. your retirement account, mm-hmm. which is kind of wild. So what's in this thing? Yeah, CryptoPunks weighted at 37% of the total fund, followed by Bored Apes at 29%. Uh, Mutant Apes, uh, V-Friends, Autoglyphs, Fidenzas, Cyberkongs, Cool Cats, Meebits, and Chromy Squiggles. Those are the 10 blue chip NFTs that are in the Bitwise NFT fund. I think it's a pretty good list. I think it's a pretty good list. Well, you like it because CryptoPunks are at the top. That's why you like it, right? That, I, I don't I see mean, any no, turtles that's, here, that's, okay? The, that's not an opinion. That's just the market cap. Sir, there are no turtles in this blue chip nft fund i refuse to believe this is the market is that this the alpha the market. It's like buy, buy the turtles before they're in the bitwise blue chip NFT oh my fund. god that is not alpha guys none of this is financial advice all right i just have a turtle fetish uh aztec aztec privacy network mm-hmm. on ethereum layer two super cool what is this technology look okay up to 100x gas savings fully private transactions by default mm-hmm. all in a roll-up private DeFi is here i think they're on testnet have they they've rolled out their mainnet yet david uh no i do not i do not think they have just rolled testnet. out the mainnet no just uh, just it's a coming testnet. though yeah it's coming. so this is like this is a private privacy L- layer two uh and so think of it like tornado cash that same technology but on a layer two and and also better 
Uh, because Tornado Cast, you have to wait for entropy to happen. That's not true with Aztec. You get immediate privacy. Uh, in theory, I don't know if this is true at Genesis, but in theory, you can send any asset, uh, any ERC-20 token. Maybe, maybe NFTs, maybe that comes later. Uh, so think of it like the Tor Layer 2. Like the Layer 2 where if you go in there, you can do a bunch of private stuff and you can come out completely anonymously. Uh, so a fantastic privacy tool so you can stop doxing yourself anytime you send anyone money from your wallets. Uh, and uh, really, really, really bullish. The, and the cool thing is you simultaneously get privacy and scale at the same time. That's what simultaneously means. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, th this is the same technology. Uh, and so this is one of those things where the more people that use this thing, the cheaper the transactions get. Uh, and so with full adoption, gas, uh, gas fees for privacy should come down really, really low. It's already better than the, the layer one. So for a, a basic Uniswap trade, it's uh, 130,000 gas clocking in at $54. Uh, right now on Aztec, a Uniswap trade is 17,600 gas, $7.52. And I think that will not stop there. Many of these L2s continue to have optimizations. Uh, so really, really bullish on that. Also, a disclaimer, Ryan and I are seed investors in this, angel investors. That's really cool. Like it's, um, it's Zcash, man. Except Z Zcash Z as an app, where it should it's be. It's Zcash as an app, but with smart contract functionality mm. in a roll-up. That's what we're talking about here. This is why we're yep. so bullish on rollups, guys. New new ones coming about all the time. Speaking Paradigm which, was the, the lead investor in this at $17 million, Series A. Yeah, well, I, that kicks us over to, to raises then. So um, they also announced a raise this week, almost simultaneously as well. Yeah, that was strategic uh, for sure. 17 million Series A paradigm uh, to bring this this network to mainstream. That is the uh, the headline here. Let's talk about a few other raises. Slingshot just raised 15 million in funding. In, in funding. It's like a DeFi trading app. I believe they started on Polygon. Really slick user experience. I'm pretty mm -hmm. bullish on uh, what what you know Slingshot is doing. Any other thoughts on this, David? Yeah, this is coming out of the same team as uh, DeFi Pulse, so there is a relationship there. Uh, I've used it once. It was great. Uh, haven't used it since, but that's because yeah, I don't know. Life what. is busy. Life is busy. <laughs> Not much <laughs> of a trader. You're, yeah, you're you're holding instead of trading. That's why I guess. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Anchorage. So we just had Anchorage on the podcast, um, at least one member of the Anchorage team with, uh, with Visa as well. They've just raised $350 million. This is the group that purchased Visa's CryptoPunk, custing a ton of assets for big fintech companies as well. This is a $3 billion valuation, billion with a B. We're seeing a lot of these. Um, you know, a lot of unicorns in crypto. B-level valuations, yeah. <laughs> yeah, B-level valuations. Uh, let's go to the next one. Euler Finance, they just launched a new DeFi lending platform. It's a crowded market, but they have kind of a permissionless take, similar to Rari, I believe, and maybe the Fuse protocol. Think of it sort of like that, only it has its own unique differences. Any thoughts on what Euler is doing here? Yeah, so where Reflexer is kind of like MakerDAO, but with uh, control theory baked in, as in some like equilibrium uh, that equilibrium mechanics that remove governance. This is a very similar thing. This is like Compound or Ave, but with some equilibrium balancing mechanisms that removes governance. So governance minimized protocols, which is uh, you know we, we we forget to talk about this a lot, but kind of the whole point of this whole thing is to actually remove governance. Governance is like kind of a, a means to an end. The whole point is to remove governance. Uh, so cool, bullish. Also, disclaimer: me and Ryan are angel investors in this one too. Let's talk about LiFi. Plug and play, interoperability. This is an aggregator, so I think of this as kind of the uh, the one inch uh, for for um, bridges, basically. So if you want to do 
hop connect, you're trying to get liquidity from one bridge to another, you just use LiFi. It pulls it all together and aggregates it. Looks not like not only that, well. but you can also exchange at the same time. So it's a liquidity ah. aggregator between layer twos, but it's also a D layer two DEX aggregator. So it's like, oh, I have Ether on Arbitrum, but I want USDC on, on Optimism. It will both get you from layer two to layer two and from asset to asset simultaneously. So, I mean, just very obvious use case, I think. They just announced uh, their raise as well. Um, let's talk about Nansen. Nansen, fresh funding, yeah. $750 million valuation. Pretty close to that B word. Mm -hmm. uh, not quite there, but an analytics platform in crypto. I've used Nansen before. I think it's you know fantastic. Yes, it's really great. Uh, Dune mm -hmm. Analytics, Nansen, there's a few others that I think very highly of. Any thoughts on this, David? Uh, congratulations. Well-deserved. This is going to be like something along the lines of like the Bloomberg terminal for, for DeFi. Ramp time. Ramp, Ramp. is a fiat on ramp and they're doing a lot with layer twos which we are super bullish on because it feels like exchanges have taken too long yeah. i was hoping for a coinbase uh integration for layer two platforms by christmas but it's getting a little late man it's, it's not happening so Get far the show on the road coinbase Kraken, all you guys got to get on it. But Ramp Network, they just closed a $52 million raise. I'm not sure what valuation that is. Um, yeah, Three, 300, million, 300 million. There uh, you go. Valuation. Mm -hmm. 300 million. And that is to provide fiat all over fiat on ramps and off ramps mm -hmm. all over crypto. So go direct from your bank account directly to Optimism, directly to Arbitrum, directly to StarkNet, directly to ZK Sync. That's what this enables. So good to see that they are funded as well. Uh, Nidig, Nidig, announcing Nidig. a $1 billion funding round, valuing the company at $7 billion. Uh, so Nidig is, is both a fund and also I think an OTC desk is overall just like crypto, um, Bitcoin focused infrastructure, but they get into other things as well, uh, raising a massive round at $1 billion. So congratulations to Nidig. You take this last one, David. Yeah, Circle's USDC stablecoin is now on the Avalanche blockchain. So sufficient adoption on Avalanche means that USDC is going there. So there's now, I didn't even realize that USDC wasn't actually there yet. Uh, so congrats to Avalanche for getting USDC. USDC going everywhere, going on all chains, going on all exchanges. Inflating everywhere, everywhere as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's not their fault, to be fair. That's <laughs> true. Job's time. All, all right. right. Here we go. You talk, You heard our inflation talk earlier. You heard about wages not increasing, you know, 2 to 3% per year. Going up in crypto, though, I think wages will continue to rise because demand is there. Crypto needs people, needs you. Get a job in crypto. That's the message coming to you from Bankless every single week. I'm going to read off the jobs. You ready, David? Yep, I'm ready to dance. Here we go. All right, all right. Founding full-stack engineer at Utopia Labs. Senior iOS engineer, Smart DeFi, senior backend engineer, Smart DeFi, senior software engineer, Popcorn, community ecosystem lead, DYDX. Got to check that out. Crypto research analyst. You got to be an NFT specialist, a smart contracts platform and Web3 specialist, and a governance specialist. Those are three positions from Bitwise. We're talking about the NFT index earlier. I wonder if that NFT specialist would be involved in that. Ahead of <laughs> ahead of growth, Dex Guru, technical lead, Draftly, head of Ethereum research, Immutable, head of tokens, Immutable, community manager, Dexable, lead engineer, Hatstop Finance, community manager, E Agronom. Those are some of the jobs. David exhausted. Look, man, I can go faster. I can go slow. Depends. Uh, I went Depends fast because it's your birthday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Those are the jobs, guys. You want to uh, get clued into the jobs. Go check out the Bankless Jobs Board at bankless.palette.xyz. Make sure you subscribe. You get these in your inbox. We'll also remind you on a weekly basis. David, 
You want to get to some news items? Yep, we should do, do that. There are some cool news items. Again, this is a really awesome week. All of them are awesome. Mm-hmm. We, we just like nonstop good news, okay? Mm-hmm. Here, here's a big one. The first publicly traded company. We talked to these guys, Ether Capital. They're based in Canada. First publicly traded company to go big on staking ETH. No wonder they have a big balance sheet, but $50 million worth of ETH they're staking. Publicly traded company staking ETH on their balance sheet. I think this is the first of many. Ether Capital has been the first of many in uh, in lots of ways. And I wonder how long, David, until we see some of the Fortune 500 companies with ETH on their balance sheets actually staking it mm-hmm. in what we call the internet bond. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, Ether Capital is basically like my, micro strategy. Their, their one job is to buy Ether, put it on the balance sheet. They're a Canadian company. The only difference between them and micro strategy is that they don't have this ancillary company that makes money in completely different ways than what the new purpose is, which is to buy buy Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so it's a public yeah. company putting Ether, staked Ether on the balance sheet, also taking part in Ethereum staking. So pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, let's talk about this too. Polygon, they just acquired a ZK rollup. We were talking about this in the intro called Amir Protocol. $400 million acquisition. This big, is Polygon. Big number. Big number. Yeah, this is, look, man, this is Polygon going all in on rollups. We just had the Polygon founders on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. If you didn't catch that, go listen to that episode. I think it's really key to understand both Polygon and where rollups are going and what they think of this entire space. They're calling this product Polygon Zero. And what's interesting about the Polygon strategy is they have a lot of these chains, all right? right? Mm-hmm. They're kind of a Swiss army knife for chains. This is a, a graphic that they put out that, that I kind of like. Their thesis is Ethereum is the settlement layer, kind of in the center. Uh, it is the chain of chains, if you will. And then Polygon is going to provide lots of different chain solutions for different use cases. So. Uh, Polygon Nightfall, more focused on privacy and enterprises. Polygon Hermes, it's kind of a payments type um, yeah, ZK roll up. Rollup, yep. ZK rollup. Polygon Proof of Stake, of course, that's the first that's, one to that's go. That's the one that you're familiar mainstream. with, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the less less uh, secure, but also um, you know, very throughput, scalable yep. chain, higher throughput chain. Polygon Avail. The data uh, availability Polygon. layer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so look, that's their strategy, sticking to it, and uh, they just made another big mm-hmm. move in ZK rollup space. It's pretty cool. Look, only a few of these need to work out for it to be very, very bullish. Uh, and so, like, yeah, again, if you think that Polygon is just the proof of stake chain, you're missing the forest for the trees. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They said they were coming here, and now they have in Mm. a big way. Uh, Let's talk about this. This is a a Uniswap proposal to get... Yeah, what is this proposal about, David? Yeah, we've been following this for the last three roll-ups. This will be, I think, the last one because there are 66 million for votes from Uni token holders and only half a million against votes to get Uniswap uh, spun up and deployed on the Polygon proof of stake chain. So this sounds like it's definitely going to go through. Uh, and we will sh- shortly see Uniswap V3 deployed on the Polygon proof of stake chain. So cool. Uh, t- took a while, but also finally great, great, fantastic. Love it. Community wants it. Big yep. show of support there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Ledger. So that is the hardware wallet, you know, and love. Actually, last week they just unveiled a plan to issue a crypto debit card. We had the VP of product from Ledger on uh, our YouTube earlier this week to talk a little bit about that. But a few highlights are an interest-free 30-day debit card. So you actually get credit mm-hmm. for 30 days on your debit card uh, and, and pay that way. You can convert to crypto at the point of sale. So basically, you can sort of charge up your Ledger debit card from your Ledger and pay for your coffee, what you know, whatever you're buying on a, on a Visa as well. You can even have salary sent 
to your account. So like the salary sent to your account, it converts it to crypto and drops it off on in your ledger wallet. Some cool stuff there. I'm not exactly sure how this is going to evolve, but I know when it comes out, I'm going to check it out 100%. and uh, see what's up. Do yeah, you the, use the, it? The other thing you can do is you can put like Ether or Bitcoin in your in your account and then spend dollars backed by that that Bitcoin and that Ether. So you're not spending you're yeah. not spending the Bitcoin and Ether because don't do that. Those things are going up while the dollar is going down. But you can use those things as collateral to spend dollars, which is an interesting use case. Uh, do not get over your ski tips. Just because you have the Bitcoin <laughs> and the Ether doesn't mean you get to spend freely dollars. It's really cool, but be careful is David's message, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, let's talk about this. Um, yeah, this is from Aya Mayaguchi, who is tweeting out a very fantastic announcement. And Aya says, we strongly believe that a diverse set of clients is essential to Ethereum's health and decentralization to ensure the client teams have a long-term incentive to maintain the network. The Ethereum Foundation has launched the Client Incentive Program. So what they are doing, what the EF is doing, is they are getting e giving each of the nine Ethereum client teams, 144 validators. That is uh, total, not each. Uh, that is 4,608 Ether at roughly $17.5 million each. And that is being given out to the client teams as one part of a reward as a, all of, for all of their hard work, hard work, but also as long-term incentives to keep maintaining those clients. Uh, the clients the individual clients are not owned by anyone other than themselves. Their one job is to make Ethereum clients work and work better over time. That's one of the reasons why actually Ethereum has actually been able to scale. I think how much higher are gas are our block sizes when Ethereum first launched? It's something like five to ten times larger. That is because yep. of clients. So Ethereum optimizations. Yeah, client optimizations made has made Ethereum five to ten times scale more scalable since its day one inception, uh, and that's because of the client teams. And now with giving them a ton of ether, a bunch of validators, they both have the actual capital, but then also the staking interest over time. So long term alignment to keep these clients innovating and moving forward and maintaining the health and security of Ethereum in a decentralized fashion. So that's really really it's cool. It's cool. It unlocks over time. This is a great performance mm -hmm. bonus. Like no one deserves it more than the protocol development team, the mm -hmm. client teams that are providing the public good that we call Ethereum. Yeah. So I'm really glad to see the EF uh, pull that off for all of yep. these client teams. This is great. Uh, what's this? What's happening with Ave, David? Yeah, this is kind of a take, kind of not news, a little bit of speculation. But this is Stani from Ave saying, after testing Ave V3, I'm in fully in love with Layer Twos, L2s. Uh, calling it now, Ave V3 is going to be L2 only. It will no not be Ave V3 on the main chain. So is that your personal opinion, or do that, you actually is that? I'm I'm going to put a lot. I would put a lot of my money on that bet. Yeah, I don't know if that's 100 confirmed, but uh, yeah, I think I think regardless, even if even if it's not confirmed, Ave V3 will be used almost primarily on layer twos. I'm anxious to hear more about Ave V3. I wonder what they're adding um, to the protocol. They're also pursuing a social um, a social network that I right. want to hear more about too. I think that's unrelated. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's unrelated, but it's all Ave. Let's switch to uh, NFT stuff. This is this is big news. Mm -hmm. uh, Nike Apparel Nike. is entering the metaverse. Okay, big acquisition of RTFKT Studios. I'm actually not familiar with who people these need are. to rethink their naming. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but uh, this is a Metaverse apparel type of company. Nike has just purchased them. So welcome to Web3, Nike. Is that what we're saying? That's exactly right. Mike, Nike making a very intentional move into the Metaverse. Digital apparel, digital goods to go along with your physical apparel and your physical goods. Uh, buying a whole entire NFT studio. So not just like partnering with one, straight up buying one. So this is like going to be like the, the Nike NFT Metaverse like churn factory. So I expect to see a lot of Nike digital merch out there. 
big moves, digital fashion, digital merch. Uh, it's happening. Nike moving first, and um, you know others will uh, follow behind. Adidas, them. Adidas is right there with them. They're they're it's also true. doing similar stuff. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, we're gonna see them all. It's gonna mm-hmm. be a crowded space. It's gonna be a fun space to watch. Um, let's talk about Marvel and mm-hmm. Disney. Their IP is moving to Ethereum. Mm-hmm. NFTs yeah. on Immutable. Talk about this story, David. Yeah, so I, I think the story here is that uh, Marvel and Disney have their IP licensed towards this Vive, Vive official NFT platform, kind of kind of just like uh, what we were talking about with RTFKT. It's just a, a, an IP a system for just putting digital merch into the metaverse. Uh, and Veve Official is now being uh, migrated over to Im- uh, Immutable via the Ecomi platform. There's a lot of moving parts here. Basically, the, t- <laughs> the TLDR is Marvel and Disney IP is being issued on the Immutable Layer 2. Uh, so a huge win for Immutable. Like Dis- Disney IP, like is there any more valuable IP than Disney? Uh, and Marvel's up Marvel, there as well. Star yeah. Wars, yeah. Mm-hmm. all the Mickey Mouse stuff. Yeah. Basically, uh-huh. every kid's movie in existence. Harry, Harry Potter, I, I think. Yeah. No, no, no. Harry Potter's Universal. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. never mind. Um, no, I mean, it probably won't be long. One, one I mean, day, yeah. Soon, <laughs> yeah. So all of that IP becoming issued on Immutable. Uh, so again, a huge win for Immutable. And also, cool, uh, Disney now in the metaverse too. It's really cool that Immutable's business development is just like uh, killing it, just crushing it. Killing it. It's yes. doing stuff speaking that a protocol of, can't yeah. do, right? It's right. like, you know, g- good job here. And uh, yeah, so speaking of, how cheap is it to mint NFTs on Immutable, David? Uh, apparently, it's free, Ryan, uh, through this <laughs> new app called Mintable. So Mintable is now live on Immutable. Uh, and so all you got to do is set up an account, deposit some ETH, and you get, they say, infinite transactions with no fees. So free NFT minting on the Immutable Layer 2. This is something that a Layer 2 can do that a Layer 1 could never do, which is free and infinite transactions. Uh, and then uh, our good friend Paul and I had a really good take about this. Like free and infinite? That sounds too good to be true. It is slight hyperbole. But that's because Mintable is actually just fronting the cost for their users. Uh, And that's just because the the fees are so low that Mintable, the platform, is like, yo, we'll just eat it. Like, it's so low that we'll just do it for the users themselves. So Polynaya says, infinite transactions with no fees, slight hyperbole there. But the point is, if you want to mint and trade low-value NFTs and trade off security, Immutable X is the premier venue. Can't beat literally zero gas fees. It's still early days, of course. Much more to come from Immutable X. Uh, again, Immutable X just uh, uh, executing in the best of ways. Just nice job, guys. Are you a person that hates gas fees but loves decentralization? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's what this is solving I, for. Ho- hopefully, that's I the hate whole gas world. fees. Hopefully, that's I hate the whole gas world. fees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, like, decentralization is an important public good and worth preserving. And why can't we have both? I think with we cryptography, can. we can. Uh, that's with cryptography, with the power of cryptography, <laughs> we can have whatever we want. Exactly right. We can get a little nerdy on it. But uh, <laughs> look, Justin Drake told us at the beginning of the year that uh, crypto moon math episode. Mm-hmm. Go check that out if you're interested in sort of the theory of cryptography and why it scales blockchains. Why that is the o- that is the big performance improvement, right? Everything else is a hack. When we make big cryptography leaps forward, that's when we improve these systems, these computers that we call blockchains. And that's what's happening here with these rollups. Coming up next, a rare CryptoPunk has sold at a record $10.2 million. This is the highest CryptoPunk sale ever, 2,500 ETH. Yeah, it's a, it's the ape with the blue bandana. CryptoPunk 4156 purchased for over 2,500 ETH. New records oh. for CryptoPunks. 
are CryptoPunks still going up or is it like kind of, I know everything in the NFTs have kind of died down a little bit, but like CryptoPunks being blue chip, are they still, uh, CryptoPunks, they still ha- they've okay? taken a little bit of a hit lately. They're, I think they peaked out at 144 ETH floor. They're currently clocking in. Oof, oof. That's the fourth big oof of the show, Ryan. The new down. floor is 61 ETH. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, uh, drama and FUD in the CryptoPunk worlds having to do with like licensing and Larva Labs and, and stuff like that. Creative um, Commons licensing yeah, and all yeah, that. Stuff That's like that. Another yeah. podcast episode. Well, yeah, I'm waiting until it hits uh, $500 or so, David, and then I'm all in. I might uh, buy one. Hold your breath, man. Hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someday. Someday. Uh, I got turtles, though. Whatever. They're fine. <laughs> How many turtles plan. do you have? <laughs> Medi turtles. All right. <laughs> Is it turtles all the way I'm down? I'm stacked. I'm shell stacked, okay? <laughs> I don't have any of these though. Dr. Seuss characters. They're getting the NFT treat, treat, treatment. Uh, Seussables. Seussables. are NFTs. That's a great name. Yeah. Little cute little green eggs and ham guy. Sam mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. Cat in the hat. Uh, thing one, thing two. All your favorites. Mm-hmm. Coming to the NFT world. How, how can Gotta you love hate it. that? How, how, can, how do people hate NFTs? I just don't know. Pop culture is so fun. Look, if you hate NFTs, just don't buy them. Yeah. That's all you have to yeah. do. And just also, ignore and, them. And also shut up. Yeah. But you can't resist. You yeah. know you'll be back. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just wait until your favorite whatever right. exactly. comes to the NFT exactly. world. Then you'll be like, exactly. oh, just those weren't to, cool. But wait these until it's are. your turn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everyone will take it's their turn. It's going to hit you. Okay. Bitcoin stuff. Two Bitcoin core developers, they stepped down last week. Why mm. are Bitcoin core developers stepping down, David? According to this guy, uh, Mike in space, uh, the subtext seems to be lack of funding. Luke was uh, talking about lack of funding this week. Trillion dollar asset, no funding. This has always been a problem public that has goods. Uh, plagued Bitcoin. It's, it is one massive public goods that doesn't have a way of providing funding, R&D effort. Uh, Ethereum also has this problem too, like where we have like billions of dollars per year being spent on security and just a handful of millions of dollars being spent on R&D and public goods. But it's a Big difference from zero to a handful of millions of dollars. In stark contrast to the EF uh, paying the client teams a bunch of ether for long-term sustainable development, uh, Bitcoin doesn't have a way to pay for its own like maintenance, which is unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but I also respect that they haven't done anything silly like inject a um, block rewards, yeah, a block reward dev fund to siphon okay. off to some third-party uh, organization like Blockstream in order to pay for this yeah. stuff. Like uh, Blockstream, Blockstream would love that, I'm sure. Yeah, that that would be not a good idea, of course. So I I do respect that. There's got to be other ways to pay for public goods funding. I think Square is doing some of this. Hopefully, this gets resolved for Bitcoin. Ninety um, percent of all Bitcoin have now been mined, though. Mm-hmm. Cross that milestone. today. I learned. 90 percent there's only 10 percent of bitcoins left to be mined yeah right fixed supply that that remaining 10 percent is going to take like 100 years (laughs) (laughs) and michael michael saylor would capture it all (laughs) no dollar cost average news from michael saylor this week i'm sure he's doing something but it's taking off for the holidays he'll be Mm -hmm. back in the new year uh all right let's talk about some traditional finance stuff regulation yeah this is going to be fun I like this. All right. So one of our big predictions, longstanding bankless predictions has been the protocol sync thesis. Okay. This is the idea. Yeah. Yeah, The DeFi mullet plus protocol sync thesis. They're kind of, they're kind of related. And the basic idea is that the most credibly neutral decentralized protocols, whether that's a chain like Ethereum or whether that's a um, credibly neutral automated market maker like Uniswap or a protocol like Compound, they're going to sink to the bottom and other things will be built on top of those things. Because why? Because they're maximally decentralized. They're credibly neutral. Everyone can tap into it. They're they're totally permissionless. And so we had a longstanding prediction that at some point in time, all of the exchanges, all of the crypto banks will start tapping into these DeFi protocols for various things. So for instance, they'll start 
earning interest, providing access for their users to earn interest on something like Compound. Well, it happened. Mm. It's happening. The thing it was, we it said was would happen is literally the example that we used. <laughs> yeah, it's literally the example. So we said someday, I think we said this a couple years ago, someday Coinbase will use Compound under the covers to provide a lending and borrowing platform, interest rates, mm. that sort of thing. And it's happening. Starting today, it's happening. Uh, so feels good. Feels good, man. When that happens, I think it's validation of the thesis and mm -hmm. only more to come, right? This is Coinbase, but soon it's going to be every single bank in the world where you get your savings rate in your bank account. It's going to be in protocols, protocolized form. Uh, but here's the thing. Absolute garbage that we can't get this in the U.S. And what? not Coinbase's fault. All right. What? This is rolled out to 70 countries already. Hmm. Rolled out completely to 70 countries. It is not in the US. The service is available in the UK, Germany, Spain, not in the US. And I think that is raw nonsense. Not Coinbase. I just appreciate fault. being protected so hard. I just like, you know, if they do it, the SEC has threatened to file a lawsuit right. in their Coinbase earned product. So Americans can't have it. So 7% interest rates. My bank account gives me a 0.025%. Uh, rate in my savings account. Calling that a savings account is an absolute joke. We come out with some innovation called DeFi where you can get a reasonably, like a really safe loan and you know, borrowing an interest rate from something like Compound. A very tried 5%. and tested protocol that yeah. feels very safe. Not accessible right. if you're an American through Coinbase. Of course, you can go directly to the protocol yourself, but not through Coinbase. And that's right. where 36, 40, 40 million uh -huh. uh, Americans have accounts. So like, what are you doing, U.S.? Yeah. You want to when you want to help protect consumers from inflation, give them access to DeFi. Don't block it. What's the purpose? Who are they protecting, Dave? They they don't want to give protection from inflation. They need people to own the dollars. This is the same type of capital controls maneuver that we see from Argentina. It's like, no, you <laughs> no, you can't escape. No, 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 no. Like, we need you guys to keep on holding dollars because we need you guys to like not have inflation go out of control. Uh, and so like, no, like you don't, don't have your 5% interest rates, like keep that money in your bank and continue having your 0.05%. Like that will, will protect you like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the worst form of protection I can think of. And mm -hmm. it's only hurting uh, American citizens. So this is the reason why we say you have to take control of your own digital sovereignty and of, you know, you have to go bankless, okay? Because- thank, thank God for DeFi actually giving the individuals to go directly to the protocols. Like, thank God for that. The ability to opt out. Yes. All we want is the ability to opt out of the crappy system that is, uh, they're, they're trying to um, imprison us in. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about another system of imprisonment and that's kind of Web2, the Web2 world. So here's a story, David, of somebody who lost their Instagram handle metaverse what's happening here yeah so somebody had the at metaverse instagram handle and then facebook pivoted to meta making that metaverse instagram handle way more valuable uh and then uh, a couple of weeks after the pivot it got revoked from the owner's hands uh un unexplained uh, they said it was uh, impersonating somebody else the account was impersonating someone uh, and so they got the ownership of that account got yoinked from the own owner. Eventually, it was given back to the owner after a bunch of uproar from from her, the owner, and also everyone else on the internet uh, because of the exact reasons why you would expect like, oh, this is like, who are you, Facebook, to just revoke ownership? But this is a very big reminder. Do you invest time into your Instagram account? Do you invest time into your Twitter account? 
do you know that you actually don't own those assets? That is not Web3, that is Web2. And in Web3, if Twitter was a Web3 platform, if Instagram was a Web3 platform, you would actually have complete property rights and assurances over your ownership of your handles. Uh, and this is exactly what we are trying to get away from. Facebook was like, oh, metaverse handle that we have? That, well, it's, it's ours now, uh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, and then the, the people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. And thankfully, uh, at the end of the day, the whole entire world resides on people. Uh, and so because the people push back, uh, this individual has her Metaverse uh, Instagram account back in her hands. Only has it back, though, by the good graces of Facebook after this public pushback, as you said. So it was interesting when uh, when the pivot happened and Facebook turned to Metaverse uh, to, to the name Meta, someone texted, someone messaged her and said, you are now a millionaire. Mm -hmm. But another person warned. Facebook isn't going to just buy your mm -hmm. account. They're just going to take it. It's all, it's all theirs. Why would they buy it? It's yeah. theirs. And then early the next morning, she mm. tried to log on to Instagram. She got a message saying, your account has been blocked for pretending to be someone else. Okay, uh, I think no that's notice. big oof number five, Ryan. Big oof. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's definitely a big oof number five. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this just shows, I guess, the, you know, the take that, that you were saying is, I don't own my account, my Twitter account, my Facebook account. Gmail account, YouTube, Twitch, neither do you. You don't own any of this. It's company mm -hmm. property. Mm -hmm. We live our digital lives toiling away on rented property for our feudal lords. Completely broken model. Web3 fixes this. Web3, Web3 fixes, fixes this. this. Yes. Property rights. That's what we've been talking about the Say entire time. Say it louder time. for the people in the back, Ryan. <laughs> Web3 fixes this. We have property rights. The people should own their own property rights. Um, Elizabeth Warren isn't having it, though, David. Should we just play a clip? Yep. Go for okay. it. Okay, and play a clip. Listen up. DeFi is the most dangerous part of the crypto world. This is where the regulation is effectively absent, and no surprise, it's where the scammers and the cheats and the swindlers mix among part-time investors and first-time crypto traders. Shoot, in DeFi, someone can't even tell if they're dealing with a terrorist. Wow. What do you think oof. of that, David? Uh, big oof number six, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> well said. In DeFi, someone can't even tell if you're a terrorist. That's Going straight said. to the terrorist thing. It takes her no time at all. It's like, oh yeah, terrorism. <laughs> God damn. Shady, yeah. mm -hmm. scammy, the worst part of crypto, the shadiest parts of crypto, DeFi, that's what she called it. Spoken like, like somebody that's never used it, Elizabeth. <laughs> this is the way out. So I, I don't understand. So Elizabeth Warren is somebody who speaks, has spoken up against the banks so many times. It's mm -hmm. kind of a populist anti-bank message. And then when faced with crypto, when faced with DeFi, the transparent open financial system that actually provides a way out? Mm -hmm. No, that's Do shady. No, that's no. for scammers. Also shady, yeah. And terrorists. Like, it's, it's because we'll have none of that. she wants those services to be provided by the government, by the state. It's this very paternalistic, very infantilizing take. It's like, a get, terrible Get your take. services from the government. We know what's best. Look, it's setting us back, though, okay? She says DeFi is one of the shadiest parts of the crypto world. Not banks, not Wall Street, not our 7% inflation. It's DeFi that's the problem. It's sad, man. I don't, know, sad. I don't know where we went wrong. That's that's worth another oof, David. That's not just one. Oh, oof. I said that's it at the like beginning. This one, this one gets two oofs. Double oofs, Double oofs for it's Senator Warren. Yeah. <laughs> Alexis Ohanian, co-founder of Reddit, says transparency is the hallmark of Web three. It's all open source. It's an open database. It's not shady. Rather, it's an antidote 
the cigar smoked filled rooms where centralized finance historically gets done. People trust code more than people because it always does what it says it'll do. Elizabeth, get a MetaMask, girl. Like, we'll, we'll send you some ether. Come on, Bankless. Come on, Bankless. Let's talk about it. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll help you out. We genuinely want, we genuinely think this is part of the solution to some of the problems that, that you're seeing. And uh, we wish you could see that too. Yeah. I think you will in time. Hopefully. I hope so. Hopefully. Alexis Ohanian, he's coming on the podcast though, David. This will yep. be a good topic for discussion Definitely. in January. Mm. Uh, in other news, we got some we got some badass regulators yes. fighting the fight. Got some bad reg regulators and then got some badass regulators. <laughs> Who's this one? This is Hester Peirce who uh, tweets out, the latest regulatory agenda shows that the SEC will be busy in the upcoming months, but it won't be working on the right thing. So the, Hester Peirce uh, put out the statement in uh, combination with another uh, chair, Commissioner uh, Rosman, basically saying that the SEC has a mandate, and what they are doing is completely adjacent to that mandate. There's not actually following through on trying to provide fair, uh, for, and, fair and, and orderly markets and capital formation. There, She is just critiquing the Gensler agenda, basically, saying uh, we're supposed to do our jobs, and the things that we're doing are not our jobs right now like WTF uh, SEC agenda. Hester Peirce, thank you so much for being so bold to put this out there. This is how democracy works. This is, this is how this thing goes down. So thank you for pushing forward this, uh, this conversation in such a public way. This is why we have multiple commissioners. This is exactly the way it's supposed to work so that we can push back and there can't be unilateral control of a given regulator's agenda. And I'm just so glad that it feels like some regulators like Hester Peirce are fighting for the people. Yes. Fighting for the intent. For first principles than, of why the SEC exists in the first place. Thank you. First yeah. principles. Go back to first principles and evaluate new technologies and new market approaches based on those first principles. Um, we need more like Hester Peirce in mm -hmm. government. Yep. That's for sure. Uh, David, what's happening in Russia? Uh, Bank of Russia to ban mutual funds from investing in Bitcoin. Um, I guess a little little oof just because it's Russia. So like, I mean, they're they're kind of kind of kind of on the way out. Let's just, just once again, you don't ban Bitcoin, you ban your citizens from accessing Bitcoin. Uh, so not going to really work out for Russia in the long term. Yeah. Let's talk about the IMF. Yeah. Uh, do they have a very different policy? Looks yeah, like so no. IMF leaders, IMF advocates are calling for a coordinated crypto policy amongst the world's governments. Basically saying, uh, hey, we need to like team up and fight this crypto thing before this crypto thing comes and eats us. Because crypto is already a globally coordinated set of participants. We are already global. That's the nice thing about being internet networks. And so the IMF saying like, hey, other governments of the world, if we don't team up to take down this crypto thing, uh, it's gonna come eat our lunches. Um, the last time global co governments tried to coordinate uh, against a problem, it was climate change, and that hasn't gone out too too well. Like global coordination, kind of a kind of a hard thing for nation states to do. That's the whole point of crypto: is we are actually a more able to out coordinate them by the nature of our protocols. Uh, so uh, big oof coming for the IMF. <laughs> <laughs> Stay <Number> tuned. <laughs> you know what's hilarious though, David, is they're right. Mm -hmm. If they do want to stop this, they have to globally coordinate. The thing is, they're never going to be able to do it. We, if we could Not globally make it coordinate, we'd have larger, more scaled nation states than how we have right now. And they have insurgents in every single country that the IMF represents. And mm. those are crypto people yeah. who are excited it's about this insurgents. technology and nice. want it. I mean, it's basically what we are. Like, right. good luck. To, to it's going to be yeah, a civil right. war uh -huh. to them. No, no, Let's, they're the insurgents. <laughs> they're the establishment. Let's yeah. talk about Katie Hahn, okay? Mm. This is uh, A16Z. VC. It looks like she is departing A16Z. That's the fund that Chris Dixon uh, co-leads as well to start her own fund. 
on crypto and Web3. David, it feels like we got to get Katie Hahn on the podcast yeah. at some point to tell us a bit about that. Maybe we'll schedule that sometime. Uh, what's this? FTX US signs NFT deal with the Golden State Warriors basketball team. As a part of this deal, the Warriors will create and launch NFTs and FTX US will be the main hub for the team's digital asset launches. So big win for FTX. Congrats. Uh, FTX doing celebrity, doing sports endorsements. So is Coinbase. Not Coinbase, too far behind. FTX and Coinbase going blow for blow. Uh, is this so Kevin Durant? I'm getting Kevin Durant. Here. Yeah, Kevin Durant now has a partnership with Coinbase, basically doing the same thing that FTX is doing with the Golden State Warriors, but now with Kevin Durant. Uh, so yeah, congrats to Coinbase. Celebrities in crypto. Wow, mm-hmm. 2021. That's been a mm-hmm. year for that too. Uh, guys, we will be right back with the fresh takes of the week. And of course, the meme of the week you can't miss. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Arbitrum is an Ethereum scaling solution that's going to completely change how we use DeFi and NFTs. And now it's live and has over 100 projects deployed. Gas fees on Ethereum L1 suck. Too many people want to use Ethereum and it doesn't have enough capacity for all of us. And that's why teams like Arbitrum have been hard at work developing layer two solutions that makes transactions on Ethereum cheap and instant. Arbitrum increases Ethereum's throughput by orders of magnitude at a fraction of the cost of what we are used to paying. When interacting with Arbitrum, you can get the performance of a centralized exchange while tapping into Ethereum's level of security and decentralization. This is why people are calling this Ethereum's broadband moment, where we get to add performance onto decentralization and security. If you're a developer and you want to save on gas costs and overall make a better user experience, go to developers.offchainlabs.com to get started building on Arbitrum. And if you're a user, keep an eye out for your favorite DeFi apps being built on Arbitrum. Many DeFi applications on the Ethereum L1 are migrating over to layer twos like Arbitrum, and some are even skipping over the layer ones entirely and deploying directly on layer two. There's so many apps coming online to Arbitrum, so go to bridge.arbitrum.io now and start bridging over your ETH or any of the tokens listed and start having the DeFi or NFT experience that you've always wanted. Alchemix is one of the coolest new DeFi apps on the scene. It introduces self-paying loans, allowing you to spend and save at the same time. Deposit the DAI stablecoin into the Alchemix vault in order to get an advance on the interest it generates. Borrow up to 50% of the total amount of your deposited DAI in the form of AlUSD stablecoin. Here's the craziest part. The loan pays itself back and you cannot be liquidated. Unlock your assets potential in the ultimate DeFi savings account. And brand new to Alchemix is the ETH vault where you can deposit ETH into the application, borrow Al ETH against your deposits while having your advance gradually paid back over time. V2 is rapidly approaching, which will allow for even more collateral types plus a variety of yield strategies to choose from. Harness the power of Alchemix at alchemix.fi. That's A-L-C-H E-M-I-X dot F-I. Follow Alchemix on Twitter at Alchemix F-I and join the Discord to keep up to date with Alchemix V2 and to get involved in governance. All right, guys, we are back with the fresh takes of the week. The first is this, PoApps. I got a few PoApps. I have many PoApps, all sorts of different things I've done in the past. The take here is that they're memory tokens. What's the tweet and what's the take here? And this is a 15 tweet tweet thread, which we will not be reading out. But basically, the, uh, this individual, I don't know how to read out her Twitter handle, says, it was always stated that PoApps is an ecosystem 
for the preservation of memories. Uh, and I think kind of just really like about what, what that take is. Like POAPs, these little badges that you collect. Again, here are all my POAPs. I could name the every single time that I've gotten well, Tell me a about a few of them. Yeah. Tell well, me about so, your POAP stamp collection, sir. Yeah, so here's the, the Bankless Ultrasound Party, the, the ultrasound party that I went to in, in New York. Uh, here, oh, I love this one. Here is uh, East Denver 2020. Uh, I got plenty of memories there. Uh, here is uh, Mariano Conti's birthday party in Argentina which I didn't actually go to, but I was actually <laughs> able to get that NFT. Um, and there's a bunch, there's ETH Paris, you, there's Metaverso, like Do you know what M-Con. this reminds me of, David? Uh, so my, pa- my parents have like a, a motorhome and they go from like state park to state park all around the US mm-hmm. and they go and they collect stamps yep. at all of the state parks yep. in their stamp book. And yep. my mom loves showing them. Whenever I meet with, with like my parents, they're always like, oh, here's what you want to see where we've been. Let me right. tell you about it. And then they pull up the stamp, the badge, the right. NF, the analog NFT, and they tell me about their memory. And they get super nostalgic and they look they back do. fondly on it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Especially for people these days that like, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I've outsourced as much of my like brain's computational power to all my electric devices that are around me. Like having oh, these yeah. little like memory Barely triggers. Barely know my phone number. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> having these little memory triggers are really nice. Poaps are ecosystems, uh, is an ecosystem for the preservation of memories. Nice take. That's cool. All right, let's talk about this. This is my take. Go for it. Can we start? Yeah. Okay, so I now use the term rugged whenever something mildly unexpected happens in real life. I'll be like, oh, rugged. (laughs) Rugged. Rugged again, right? (laughs) And I don't know why. It's just kind of fun. And I was thinking about this, but um, crypto culture has now invaded the way I talk, Mm -hmm. especially with the last 18 months, without me even knowing it. And so I tweeted this out. I was like, what crypto term do you now use in real life? And there were tons of these uh, great, great answers. Uh, Daniel said he started to use front running mm-hmm. and bullish a lot. Like something good happens. He's just like bullish. Uh, someone else said um, rugged and yep. aped. Aped, using that getting aped yeah yeah or aping Ooh, I, into I love the floor right? the, the floor whenever i can find a, a way to use like the floor for oh something. yeah how would you yeah. use the floor in context um, uh so when i oh, maybe this is about crypto so maybe this doesn't really count but like uh when i bought uh all 10 of nate moeller's nfts i sweat i like swept the floor right yeah. which, which is actually the way, right way to use it except for the fact that like it's really more for profile picture nfts more than it is like just one of ones but yeah it's just like oh yeah when i go in and buy a bunch of stuff like oh yeah Bought a bunch of like chocolate bars at the grocery store. Swept the floor on, on chocolate chocolate bars. I don't know. Yeah, it's like hilarious. That. Okay, so like, but I feel like only um, crypto people really understand these these words. I, I think culture. it's 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 being exported. Yeah. 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 Like rugged is such a great one. So it's mm-hmm. like wrecked. Uh, wrecked aping yeah. aping into pizza. Mm-hmm. I ape into things. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so what's just fun? What's fun is I feel like um, crypto culture is is really starting to like um, invade mm-hmm. real life in these fun ways and maybe it's happening with with us crypto geeks first but like i think mainstream is catching on gonna start adopting all of these terms and i don't know it's just fun to to see anthropologically the way uh language language evolves right Mm -hmm. and i I tweeted this out and i tagged josh rosenthal from our crypto renaissance episode and of course he put together like this 15 uh tweet tweet thread about how this is exactly what happened in the reformation as well in the renaissance and all this new language change uh, so it, this has happened before. This is just what humans do. Yeah, we are in a phase change. Absolutely. Uh, and also just our terminology in theory, like the reason why it gets adopted is because it's better in the same way that memes work. Memes work as like a packet, a bundle of information, like rugged communicates a lot, right? It, <laughs> it, commu- it communicates a so lot useful inside of that in one the word. 2020s. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, many, so many, so many institutions are trying to rug us <laughs> like right now uh-huh. you use okay. these crypto terms in real mm-hmm. in everyday life guys uh 
let's talk about this. By the way, language is really cool because it's such a decentralized technology, right? Yes. Bottom up, every yes. node has to accept it. Love mm -hmm. the parallels between language and what we're doing in crypto. Here's another take on decentralization. You want to read it out? Yeah, this is uh, coming from Tasha. Extreme decentralization is a solution looking for a problem with a very small market demand in the real world. Most BTC and ETH maxis have yet to wake up to that. And this tweet got to over 2,000 likes, Ryan. Sad. <laughs> Big oof Cry. number Cry. seven. <laughs> no, dude, we're at nine now. Oh I think. my God, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this a big oof though? Okay, this Tell is, a, okay. What's your take Ethereum's on the Ethereum's decentralization. Ethereum is decentralized. Attacking Ethereum is really, really hard. That means anything that's on Ethereum taps into that security. Uniswap, protected by Ethereum. Compound, protected by Ethereum. CryptoPunks, Board Apes, protected by Ethereum. Name your thing that's on Ethereum, protected by Ethereum. So it's not like we need to have the minimum level of decentralization just to protect like the most important application on there. We need to have as much decentralization as possible because all things that exist on Ethereum are protected equally by this level of decentralization. It's not about how can we reduce the level of decentralization down to the absolute minimum. It's how can we export as much security and decentralization so that everything that ever comes to be on Ethereum from now into the future has that level of security and decentralization. And here's why decentralization is important. So when you use the term decentralization, people's eyes glaze over, right? They don't know why it's important. But when you use the term anti-corruption, Everyone hates corruption, okay? If, if, if you said that, hey, we should build our society on the most uncorruptible yeah. systems possible with the best anti-corruption technology, right? I know I always go back to the Constitution, the idea of separation of powers, but like, that's a great example, okay? Rather than kings and tyrants, we do a Constitution with a democratic process and separation of powers across three branches of government. It is decentralization is anti-corruption technology. We make sure the states have a say. We make sure the federal uh, government has a say. We make sure it's all as balanced as possible. We have a judicial branch, an executive branch, a congressional branch, right? Legislative branch. Those are the three branches of government, okay? We would build, we need to build our systems and our societal governance frameworks on the most decentralized, decentralized things possible. We, we don't wanna build a government on Facebook shareholder vote where Mark Zuckerberg has over 50% 50 50 of the vote and he can revoke your Instagram account, all right? So why does decentralization matter? It's so our systems and the trust, the fabric of our society doesn't get corrupted. That's why it matters. And it matters for lots of use cases like money, money. is a big use case. Yes. Finance, banking, property rights. These are the things that crypto is protecting. And if you start screwing with that, and what the hell is the point of the entire industry that we're in? Right. That's and what the, I would throw back. And the idea is that if like it's great if we're just decentralized enough for like the value that we have now, but the idea is that very much more valuable things, very much more valuable things <laughs> will be <laughs> will come to exist on these chains in the future. So you need to optimize for that level of security because you we have ambitions to like 100x the value of the entire ecosystem. Therefore, we need to have a container that can fit that void because if we only have some decentralization, you can't actually 100x the value because then it becomes corruptible. You need to have as, as uh, strong and decentralized as a foundation as possible as a container for future value because if it's not that today, it won't actually come. Do you know what I think though is the trump card answer to this whole critique Tell in me. general? The, the trump card answer is because we don't have to sacrifice decentralization. Right. Also true. 
Also true. Right? Like, right. it's just because you're impatient. That's the reason you're sacrificing decentralization. Right. All right? We have this magic thinking. that was given to humanity called cryptography. Now we have the ability to roll it out at scale using ZK-proof technology, using optimistic fraud-proof technology. Like, roll-ups are a fantastic example of this. And this is not about being, like, an ETH-centric view of the world, right? Other other protocols can do this, too, and are doing this. So mm -hmm. Nier is taking this approach. Tezos is taking this approach, all right? Uh, but mm -hmm. the reason... The reason not to abandon decentralization is because we don't have to. <laughs> like, just be a little patient. It's coming. Mm. It's happening. Yeah. So anyway, look, we feel passionately about that. Yes. Thing, I guess long-term uh, long thinking. Long-term thinking. What about this? This is somewhat related. Talk yeah, about this. this is uh, yeah. So this is uh, Sue's talking about the concept of anti-network effects, and th this is uh, how he explained like the rise of Avalanche and Solana, saying like, oh yeah, Ethereum was so big and so successful that it creates this incentive to spin up like versions of Ethereum that are valued at the, at the uh, that are on the floor, right? Like brand new, very fresh, low valuations. Because of the thing was so grand and so big, the incentive to start a new one to try and get some of that upside is really, really strong. And this is exactly what Moloch is. Moloch is rearing its ugly head in this statement of just like anti-network effects. The idea that like a dominant chain creating the incentive to start a fresh L1 so people can get in on the ground floor of something is a human coordination failure. And I'm saying that's also a, fa a failure of the Ethereum ecosystem. Like we didn't actually build out this layer two ecosystem as fast as we could have to incentivize everyone to come onto the same network, which in my mind is the whole goal of, of this whole progress of humanity. We like to get everyone on the same page. That's coordination protocols. Uh, and so Moloch is the, this concept of human coordination failure. If you have 10 fishermen around a lake and they all agree like, hey, if we all fish this lake to 100% of our capacity, like the, the lake will go bone dry. Uh, so we all will d diminish our fishing of the lake to 70%, therefore sustainable for the rest of time. And then all of them agree to that, except for one person who's like, well, I'm just going to let everyone else agree to that. And then I'm going to fish the lake at 100%. Uh, and then somebody watches that person do that and like, well, they're not following the rules. So why should I? So then the second person starts fishing at 100%. And then that continues down the line until the fish, the, the lake is, is completely uh, fish dry. This is fishless. Fishless. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is this, the problem of human coordination failure. We've seen this throughout the end of time. And what Sue's talking about with anti-network effects is the same thing. And so I follow up this tweet saying, new layer twos are the new layer ones. And these layer twos can collectively coordinate in ways that new layer ones cannot via strong cryptographic assurances. That's roll-ups and also cryptographic bridges between these roll-ups. And also new wealth will be created on the new layer twos that will satisfy the desires of new ecosystem entrants. Exactly answering to the same exact desire that made and incentivizes so much ad adoption on Solana and Avalanche, which they won. They, they deserved all of that, the recent adoption that they've got in the last like six months or so. But I'm saying the pendulum will swing once again, as it always does, the wheel will turn. I think to fully get that take, so people should uh, listen to the Uncommon Core podcast with mm -hmm. Suzu. This is kind of a tweet in response, I think, to some of the things he said in that uh, in that podcast. So that could be some homework for you mm -hmm. as well. And the other thing I think you're saying is like 2022 bullish layer two. Mm -hmm. That's what's mm -hmm. going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, we're excited to get there. Okay, here's the final take of the week. Optimus shall inherit the earth. And David, this is your pinned tweet. It sounds pinned like tweet. this is an important one to you. Why? Why do you think that? Do you really think Optimus will inherit the earth. Yeah, I think the the arc of human history bends towards optimists because optimists are the people that take risks and build things. They, they actually say like, oh yeah, I can take a risk, but I think it's gonna work out. 
versus a pessimist who's like, ah, I'm going to stay in, in my home and not do anything. Uh, and I, I recently saw a, a tweet from Jake Shervinsky, who pays attention to you know, uh, the Capitol Hill and all that stuff. He goes, a big problem with U.S. policy broadly, we, lacked, we lack vision. Everyone has a long list of stuff they hate. Everything we now have is bad. <laughs> Everything we're trying to do is worse. Everything we've succeeded at is particularly awful. It's exhausting. Where's our sense of optimism and progress, he says. Yep. He says. And I say, you know why it's not in Capitol Hill? It's, well, not among many reasons. But, you know, it went to the crypto world. The crypto world is full of optimists. We all see a brighter future ahead of us. And those people are the innovators. And, and, and optimism is just infectious. People want to be around people that are also positive. Uh, and so people that, and this is what I think crypto is, one of the best things about crypto is our ability to export our optimism about the world to the rest of the world. Because my, like our generations, millennials, Zoomers, they're very, very pessimist. They're, for the first generation in history, we do not think that we will actually be better off as a generation than our parents. Crypto people don't think that. Uh, and that is something that the rest of the world wants. Uh, and so people, the rest of the world will be onboarded into the crypto world by our optimism alone and, and for all the other reasons. And so yes, optimists will, shall inherit the earth. Yeah, I totally agree with that because optimists are what it takes to build the new institutions of the future, right? It's this mindset of not just burn it down, but like build it up, build something entirely new. And I think optimists have that market cornered. I do think it's something that crypto can actually export to the world. Mm -hmm. And this new meme around Web3 kind of encapsulates yes, it. Yes, it's so, an optimistic meme. That's exactly right. I, I do. I think sometimes, uh, you know, Capitol Hill and uh, legacy institutions of the world, they, they hear the term crypto or like Bitcoin and they get suspicious and mm. start calling you shady before you know it. Uh, and But like Web3, the next mm. generation of the internet, this thing, this technology has brought so much benefit to humanity, allowed the entire world to communicate, created so much progress and economic good for the world, okay? That's the third... No one wants to shut Web3 down, the third iteration of the internet. It's an optimistic movement. And uh, I think crypto is going to be a next net exporter of optimism. Those who are optimists, right? Look into crypto rather than dismissing it. Those, those are the ones that are going to help shape these things. I hope you are optimistic if you're listening to Bankless. Because um, we, we certainly are. Yeah. And I wasn't nice. before. I mean, we've said that. Did we just synchronize on that? Yes. Yeah. Is uh -huh. that oof number 10? Or is that okay? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> anti oof. Anti oof. All right, man. What are you excited about? Are you excited uh, about your birthday? What's happening? Uh, I'm excited about a number of things. Uh, right after this, I'm about to hop on a plane home back to Seattle for a little bit early of a holiday break, but uh, going right up to Baker Mountain to ski with my friends for a weekend. Haven't skied since last year, so this is my first ski trip of the year, so I'm super excited for that. I'm also excited about this article that's coming out on Bankless today, which is yesterday if you're listening to this on Friday, uh, called uh, Bankless's Layer Zero Technology. And overall, Talks, what I think is about is the prime goal of this whole crypto thing. Uh, this is the thing that I hope everyone gets into their brains. Uh, and one of the lines that I have in there is where L1 blockchains sync nodes via the internet, humans sync their brains via stories. And I think that might just be one of the, the, the legacies that I think hopefully Bankless leaves behind. Is I think we tell good stories, Ryan. Um, real stories, not just making stuff up. Uh, and the story that I hope I, I told in this article, I think, can get into the brains of everyone. Uh, and that's how this, these things work, is the layer zero is, is where we spread ideas so we can onboard the rest of the crypto world. Uh, and so I hope everyone takes a, a moment to go, to go read that. Uh, I, I enjoyed writing it. Uh, Ryan, I, uh, Ryan helped as well. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. And of course, uh, lastly, I'm also excited to just receive all the love 
from politicians that's coming our way. Uh, while some politicians <laughs> do not like us, a lot of politicians are, are uh, joining forces with us. So I think in addition to 2022 being the year of the L2, it's also going to be the year that politicians all come and, and swear fealty to the world of crypto. So Swear I'm excited fealty, for those. Huh? I'm excited for those three things. Yeah, an optimistic take. Uh, actually, you just teed me up for my take. Yeah, my uh, thing I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah tell me about it. All right. So um, I think last week or you know a couple of weeks ago, we said something about like I wonder if anyone in government, U.S. government, actually listens to Bankless. We know regulators do, and we've heard murmurings, mm -hmm. right? And actually, Bankless was uh, mentioned in, in British Parliament at one point in time. Crazy. Anyway. Uh, after that episode, a member of Congress reached out and said, I'm not going to name who it was. I'd like to answer your question as to whether some members of Congress are reading bankless. The answer is yes. Your podcasts are a regular part of my weekly crypto diet. Thank you for all you do to help educate those of us who are trying to get smart on the space. Politicians, lawmakers, trying to get smart on the space. Bullish. We need more of that. More optimist. Yeah, right. bullish. He's a crypto term. <laughs> <laughs> bullish on that and uh yeah anyway it's been a phenomenal year hasn't david like it's been really exciting for the bankless movement for crypto um a lot of things that um we we thought would happen you know happened this year um bankless got to number four on the u.s investing podcast i don't know how that worked i don't know how that happened i mean um also you know hundreds of thousands of, of members of the, of the bankless community uh, across the world mm -hmm. so uh super exciting we got politicians involved in the movement now um we've got um you know celebrities involved in the movement i think crypto is really an unstoppable force and um it makes me optimistic and excited um that's it dude optimism is the week the word of the week after word of the week after oof after oof, oof. Yeah, there's some oof, but there's a lot more optimism than oof. I think we've used it more. Uh, let's turn to meme of the week, shall meme we? Meme of the week. All right. Let's okay, what are we memeing? What are the memesters kicking up, uh, cooking up this week? Here we go. All right, so when I saw this on Twitter, I just I started bawling. <laughs> this is uh, uh, Iron Man. And who's Iron, who's Iron Man's uh, wife, girlfriend? Gwyneth Paltrow. Gw Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, what's her uh, name? Uh, I know this. Penny. Penny? Penny. Penny. Yeah. Oh gosh, we're gonna get oh, we're gonna get we're gonna get grilled yeah, yeah, uh, by the Marvel. Grilled. Anyways, okay, we, we just mentioned Marvel as NFTs too. Yeah. This is bad. Uh, so so Penny is is talking to Tony Stark, saying your account was hacked, and Tony Stark responds, "My MetaMask," and then <laughs> she responds, "No, your bank account." And then Tony Stark's like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's I so mean, true. Yeah. Like, who cares about your bank account these days? Yeah, if you're living a bankless life, you definitely re uh, resonate with this meme for sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Please hack my bank account. I just don't care. There's nothing please, in there. <laughs> and please tell us who Stony, uh, Tony Stark's wife is yes. after the show, yeah. if you uh -huh. will. Um, yeah, DM us or whatever. Yeah, don't, don't yell at us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this has been the weekly roll-up. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to David for doing this on his birthday. That is awesome. Got to end with the regular comments we always end with, which is this. ETH is risky. Bitcoin is risky. All of crypto is risky. You could definitely lose what you put in. But we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. 
click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.